Thank you all for joining. Tonight we are talking with Alex Cronomer, and this is Muslim Radio Network. Our mission is to involve youth in audio production to promote the beauty of Islam. I'm your moderator for tonight, Nazi Padarov, and with us we have Brother Kim, the founder of Muslim Radio. And of course, we have our guest, Alex Cronomer, Emmy-nominated producer of the PBS special, The Great Muslim American Road Trip, which features the rap artist Mona Hader and her husband, Sebastian, as they travel across the USA, meeting and interviewing American Muslims and researchers of Muslim American heritage and history. Tonight's episode is the second of three parts, and it airs at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. So please be sure to watch, and if you want to watch the first episode, you can find it on the PBS website. As you know, may, as you may know, Mona Hader and her husband became well-known when they started the Ask a Muslim campaign, in which they stood outside a local Massachusetts library and offered free donuts and coffee to encourage people to engage in conversation regarding Muslim American stereotypes. They've also continued to combat negative stereotypes with rap music and with teaming up with people like our guest tonight, Alex Cronomer. A little bit about Alex, he is the co-founder of Unity Productions Foundation, a media and educational nonprofit dedicated to creating peace and understanding about Muslims and other religions in the world. It's best known for its production of The Sultan and the Saint, a PBS special that was nominated for an Emmy. Alex has been working for peace and interfaith understanding for most of his adult life. He was a member of the lobbying group that successfully lobbied for con lobbied Congress for the establishment of the current U.S. Institute of Peace in Washington, D.C. Shortly after, Alex attended Harvard Divinity School, where he studied comparative religion on his way to receiving a Master of Theological Studies. Upon graduation, he worked for two years at a refugee resettlement agency in Boston, helping refugees from Vietnam, Cambodia, and Eastern Europe find jobs and homes in the U.S. Alex became a prolific writer, publishing articles in numerous newspapers and magazines, and appearing as a commentator on Islam and religion on CNN and other networks. In the late 1990s, he was the Middle East desk officer in the U.S. State Department Office of Human Rights and Democracy, helping to staff the newly formed Religious Freedom Office. Unity Production Foundation has gone on to produce 12 documentaries for national broadcast and theatrical release and has received numerous prestigious film accolades. His most recent production, an animated film about a Syrian refugee girl named Lamia's poem has been officially selected in six major film festivals and counting since its debut in June 2021 and is expected in theaters in 2022. In addition, his organization has launched dozens of interfaith and peacemaking projects in the U.S. and abroad. So I really appreciate you joining us, Alex. Um, thank you so much. Uh, we we are just excited to hear all about how you 
have created this show. I appreciate you joining. Well, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for uh, having me. All right. So getting to our questions. Um, how did you come to create the Great Muslim American Road Trip with Mona Hader? How did this conception of this show even come about? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the it's it's a bit of a long story, but long story short, um, you know, we've been producing television programming about understanding Muslims and Islam for 20 years. And uh, our first production was uh, Muhammad Legacy of a Prophet, which told the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, through the lives of Americans immediately following 9-11, American Muslims immediately following 9-11. So since then, you know, we've made films about great Islamic art and an enslaved Muslim prince in America, a Muslim hero in World War II, and so on and so forth. Uh, and 20 years since that first production, I started thinking about returning to the subject of American Muslims and um, and what, uh, you know, what, first of all, what life was like for American Muslims, importantly, you know, during these years of work that I've been doing, I've really come across uh, a repeated mistaken idea that Muslims have only been in America for the last, you know, 10 or 15, 20 years. You know, there are new arrivals. And um, I was learning in, in this period that Muslim have been a part of America really from the beginning and even before. So it was sort of like, let's, let's, let's look at kind of the new Muslim uh, new American Muslim, and also explore this deep history. Um, so that was the idea for the road trip. We just thought we would do something that would be kind of, you know, hip and uh, attractive and, and dynamic and, and have a Muslim couple take a, a road trip. We decided to do Route 66. It's an iconic American road that also holds many Muslim stories along it and, and many unexpected places. And um, Mona and Sebastian, as you already introduced, had, you know, did, did this thing earlier uh, some years ago, the Meet a Muslim, which was really, I thought, a very cool uh, idea and, and made me think that they'd be the right couple uh, to take this trip. So made a phone call, got things going, and the rest is history. Well, as you say, hip, like as someone who researches Muslim American heritage and tries to disseminate this information myself, like you are very, very hip. I, I really, really liked it. <laughs> so um, so Unity uh, Productions Foundation seems to have been able to get a message across in media where a lot of media producers seem to miss a mark. A lot of Muslim Americans feel like not only the obvious that we're portrayed as terrorists most of the time, um, or we're portrayed as not American or at the most generous level, we feel like sometimes that the characters in films are cele made celebrities because they've assimilated to sort of non-Muslim lives. And your productions seem really to encompass a true multicultural interfaith perspective. What do you feel is the secret to achieving this? Well, I mean, I think, I think the secret really is... Um entertainment. I mean, the thing that we 
put forefront in all our productions is we want to make a program that's entertaining, that will hold an audience, and an audience of, of people who may not be Muslims. We know that Muslims will always be interested in the programs we're making, but, you know, we're trying to reach a mass audience. We're trying to meet, meet a so-called mainstream or general audience. So how do you do that? Well, you do that by creating entertaining stories. And those stories begin with, many times, uh, characters. Uh, who are attractive in one way or the other. For example, we, we had a program some years ago uh, called uh, Enemy of the Reich, the Noor Nai Khan story. It was a story of a, of a South Asian Muslim woman living uh, in England uh, at the time of World War II who became a spy uh, for the British and, and played a significant role in the success of the uh, Normandy invasions uh, and was, in fact, uh, eventually captured and died in a concentration camp for her efforts. So, you know, it's a very dramatic story, a very exciting story, a very attractive character. Um, and so we pick stories like that, that, um, that are true, because we make nonfiction programming that are true, uh, but also uh, um, have an entertainment value. And that's really, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about the kind of shows that often portray Muslims in a negative way, or if they portray Muslims in a quote-unquote positive way, it's like you're saying, because they're Muslims who drink and really are assimilated and, and, and not really uh, following the religion in any way. But they're also going after the entertainment value. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're making, you know, stories, particularly Hollywood stories, have bad guys and bad guys, you know, it's easy to make a Muslim into a bad guy. There's a lot of cliches out there. But part of our work, I might say, also is uh, we work in Hollywood, and we're not the only organization that does that, but we are one of the primary organizations that does work in Hollywood with producers and writers to try to show them that there are other storylines that can reach an audience, attract an audience, uh, and um, um, that, you, that you don't always have to have a Muslim as a bad guy. And so we've worked with a number of shows over the years, Bones, uh, Criminal uh, uh, Lives, uh, Law and Order, Grey's Anatomy, oh, a bunch of shows. I, I could go on. There's at least 20 shows we've worked with. But more importantly, we've been uh, working, uh, doing kind of like informational sessions with writers, just trying to show the... Um, other storylines, other narratives, other ways of portraying characters that would be interesting to an audience, that would gain an audience. And, um, you know, through our efforts and others, and again, we're not the only people doing this, but through our efforts and others, I think we are seeing a shift in Hollywood. I mean, you know, just for example, Miss Marvel is uh, uh, an example of a show that probably wouldn't have been made 10 or even five years ago. But the culture slowly, slowly in Hollywood is changing. And so I do expect to see continued um, positive or neutral or at least interesting and not cliched portrayals of Muslims uh, in media going forward. Excellent. You know, that just as someone who's grown up in America all my life, uh, you know, I've also have that feeling that you know, most of my life where I just felt like other people saw me as not an American and, um, the, it, and where that came from was a lot of it was from media. So, you know, we really appreciate all of the, uh, and, you know, like, I feel like every, everybody in society, in American society can appreciate um, the, any kind of effort to make media um, more diverse and more flavorful and just reflect who's really the population that's really out there. 
So um, as a per person who disseminates, like I said, research on Islamic American heritage myself, I've written some textbooks for children on Islamic American heritage. And like you said, I was just drawn to all these stories. The, the stories were just so interesting to me. Um, I was really pleased with the choices of people that Mona Hader and her husband interviewed. I was excited to see you, uh, you know, her um, interviewing Muhammad Ali's daughter, and I was really excited to see you interviewing Edward Curtis. Um, so, how did you choose the um, people that that you were going to interview, or for well, her interview? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, again, we began with deciding that we were, you know, we had to first of all decide, okay, we're going to do a road trip. Where are we going to go? And initially I said, well, you know, we're going to go to everywhere. There's a, a Muslim community. And I started you know, drawing a line from Boston to New York, down South to Chicago, to Detroit, blah, 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 all the way across America, up and down. And when I was done, I, it was a 12,000 mile trip. <laughs> so obviously uh, we weren't going to be able to hit it all. So it was a question of, all right, we're only going to be able to go in a portion. How do you even begin to choose? Well, I felt like we couldn't make it, you know, just sort of like uh, cherry pick our way around. It would come across as false if we did that. So we chose Route 66, the the quintessential American highway. And for your audience who may not know Route 66, it's it's a, a road that go one of the earliest roads in America that goes from Chicago to L.A. It was actually designed initially to connect. Um, the Chicago breadbasket, uh, uh, meat producing part of it, the country to what was then newly formed California. So it was a road of commerce initially, uh, but it became increasingly just this iconic highway, uh, road trip that people took through the fifties and sixties and, and even into the seventies. Once we decided on the route, uh, then it was, um, you know, first of all, what, where are there Muslims and what are the, you know, you know, what are the communities? We began asking community leaders and community groups and other people uh, along the way, major cities first, about what was going on in their town, who, who was there. And, and I knew that we would find stories in big places, but to my surprise, um, as we continue to research this, we started finding stories in tiny places, uh, places you would never imagine Muslims ever were. Uh, and, and there were a lot of those stories. And so once we started really getting a sense of, of what the stories were, and some of them were stories in the past, some were present, and some, in a way, are of the future, of, of Muslim youth doing very interesting things who 10 or 15 years from now are going to be, you know, changing America in, in technology and medicine and many other fields. Um, then it was a matter of just connecting with those people ahead of time, finding out a little bit more about who they are and, um, you know, kind of giving Mona and Sebastian a kind of a guidebook and off they went. Wow. So, um, I watched The Sultan and the Saint, and I would have to say that it was very moving. It really showed how interconnected our re religions really are. And it was very satisfying. Um, it, it must be very satisfying, I wanted to say, to um, for it must have been very satisfying to have this show tell a story in a movie or documentary. And so do you have examples of how a film created some kind of momentum or inspiration for other projects? 
Sure. Uh, but let me comment on the film first, because the thing that really what I, what I really like about that film and, and about the story is, um, you know, often we associate religious people or people who are following the religion in a rigorous way with fanaticism and hatred for the other. Uh, I mean, and I don't mean just uh, how how Muslims are viewed, but, you know, how Christians are viewed and other people are viewed. You know, we, we tend, particularly in America, to be suspicious of religious people uh, and and assume that the more religious you are, the more fanatical you are, the more, for lack of a better word, hate-filled you were. And, and what I loved about the Sultan of the State was this is a story of, you know, Francis of Assisi and the Sultan of Egypt both living at a time of war when when the the populace at large uh, and many of the religious leaders at large in both camps, um, uh, you know, um, dehumanized the other, that each of them went, went deeper in their faiths and in going deeper, in other words, becoming more religious, uh, they didn't find a message of hate. They found a message of, in essence, love or at least of tolerance. And it was that love and that tolerance that allowed them to meet that as you, if the, for those of you who have seen the, the film and, and um, for those of you who haven't, you should watch it because it just showed that as uh, when they embraced that, even briefly over a period of just a few weeks meeting each other, it, it really began the end of the period we know as the Crusades. And we always talk about the Crusades. We talk about how they began sometimes, but we never really talk about how they ended. They ended with a interfaith encounter between these two individuals. Um, now, as far as spin-off products, all of our films uh, end up generating um, uh, sometimes dozens of uh, various educational interfaith and civic engagement initiatives. Uh, the Sultan of Saints, as we were talking about, that actually was used in peace-building efforts around the world. It was used in, uh, in Egypt to form uh, in a period a few years ago, you might remember there was a lot of conflict between the Coptic Christians and the, and the Muslims in the area where the Copts live, and, and it was used for peace building in, for those communities. It's been used for peace building efforts in uh, India uh, and other localities. It also was used in a very, um, uh, for about two years in a very powerful program that brought evangelical Christians who have statistically been the most negative about Muslims most and most vocally negative about Muslims in America together in in uh, events uh, with Muslims to get to know one another. And that went on for two years. So all of our programs generate many, many uh, educational uh, pro, uh, outreach and, and peace building efforts. And in a, in a way, that's why we make them. You know, it's, you know, I always say that we're not satisfied with, you know, like tonight's going to be broadcast of episode two. It's like a firework that goes off in the night, but then, you know, it, it fades into the darkness. Uh, we, we always want our programs, our projects to have a long tail of impact. Uh, and so these educational programs, these interfaith and encounters that we design around them, uh, keep it going for years, literally years. I mean, we still have projects related to our first film, Legacy of the Prophet, are still rolling out and happening. That's excellent. I, that's so just inspiring and heartwarming to know that a power of a story told in a really well, you know, really nice way can really have such an impact. So, um, how well, you know, I always say, I always say that, you know, science is wrong when it says that people are made up of like cells. 
people aren't made of cells. People are made up of stories. Stories are the things that animate our sense of ourselves, our sense of where we stand in history, our relationship to others, the stories that are that we tell ourselves and the stories that people tell us completely shape the course of events. There's nothing more powerful in the world to move events than a story. And um, uh, so, so being involved in telling uh, good stories and telling humanizing stories and telling stories that are, that lead to peace is the only way to arrive at a better world. Yeah, I often think about Clubhouse and how you can actually have conversations on Clubhouse and tell stories on Clubhouse, whereas in the rest of social media, there's a quick text or there's a quick, you know, line that you, or photo or something that doesn't tell a complete story. My name is KM. I'm the founder of Muslim Radio, and we are so happy to have you and having you share your uh, you work with us and, and, and talk about it. I, I get you what you're saying that, you know, we, we really need more content that can be evergreen, like, like you've produced over the years, that, that you can use in events and you can play and, and, and you know, uh, and, and stop and pause and, and ask questions to the audience and, and and play again you know so the the kind of stuff that you've created has been used for that i in in the muslim community i know that for sure and yes. uh I'm, I'm excited to use uh these and some of the events that i organize um in uh, different islamic centers and different youth groups so uh you know god bless you keep on <laughs> keep on doing the great work uh that you well, you well you know i mean i you know i always felt like um I feel like one of the flaws of interfaith dialogue is that you have people with very different uh, levels of knowledge or understanding about the topic that's being discussed. For example, you might, if you have a Muslim and a Christian talking and trying to have a, a interfaith dialogue, well, the Muslim often knows little about Christianity and the Christian often knows little about Islam. And more uh, importantly, sometimes the Muslim and the Christian do, don't know enough about their faith themselves to really be completely articulating. Um, so what happens is conversations quickly because, you know, I, I can't really comment on Islam because I don't know that much or vice versa, or it can become very um, uh, tendacious right away. Whereas what we find is when people come together to watch a movie, say the film that we're doing now, they now started a common, they've had a common experience. You know, the movie, and afterwards you discuss it with your friends, and you may disagree, or you may, uh, or you may share how the movie made you feel something or think something coming from your own personal experiences. But it becomes a rich conversation because you have something in common, and that's the idea of many of these outreach projects that we develop. You watch a movie, you watch one of our films, and then you bring together different people who now can have a conversation that is meaningful and deep. Absolutely. This is a three-part series. Yes. So, so last Tuesday um, was the you know introducing the characters, and mm -hmm. they get on the road in Chicago. They meet uh, Muhammad Ali's daughter. Uh, yeah. They meet a, a very interesting, uh, powerful a woman working in uh, the legislature in uh, Illinois. 
Uh, and then they head off. They they encounter a Muslim community, unexpectedly encounter a Muslim community in Springfield, uh, uh, meet a, a professor who begins to introduce them to the African-American experience. And uh, as was mentioned by Nazi, I meet a, another professor in St. Louis named Edward Curtis, uh, who really gives a very deep and enlightening and illuminating uh, discussion about early Muslim immigration. Muslims have been coming to this country since the Civil War and even before. Uh, so we learned quite a lot about that in episode one. And um, oh, they meet with a group of doctors. They have a lot of encounters like that. They get as far as uh, Joplin, Missouri. Tonight, uh, again, 10, 10 uh, p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time, in some cases, 9 p.m. Central Time. But tonight, uh, we go deeper into the African-American Muslim story, uh, learning about some of the events in America that kind of, uh, with a kind of push-pull, brought many African-Americans in a way to return to their original religion, the religion of their enslaved ancestors. Um, Um... there's a great discussion that Mona has with a with a priest about their shared Christianity and Islam shared reverence for Mary and Jesus, uh, and um, and it, episode winds up. Other things happen along the way, but the episode winds up on in tribal lands, where uh, they learn about perhaps the first Muslim in America uh, before before there was even a United States, uh, somebody who came to this country shortly after Columbus arrived. Uh, a very fascinating story. It could be a, I mean, uh, it could be a movie about this guy. I mean, he had so many adventures. Uh, so those are some of the things that uh, audiences will learn about tonight in tonight's episode. Looking forward to it. How do we support your efforts? The best way of supporting it is to watch the show. Um, you can go to our website, uh, which is by the initials of our name, we're Unity Productions Foundation. So it's U as in Unity, P as in Paul, F as in Frank, UPF dot TV as in television. And from our website, you can stream some of our shows. Um, uh, you can also, uh, we've developed so many educational materials and uh, designed by teachers, by the way, not designed by us. So they're very usable. Uh, and also discussion guides for running dialogues and so forth. There's a lot of resources. So, you know, that's where we make the stuff, and we make it available for free. So the best way to support this work is to use it. Watch the shows, uh, organize dialogues, um, um, get get some of the films uh, with the educational resources to your local schools and libraries. Um, that's what That would be the thing that would be the, the best thing for your listeners to do. All right. So I really do appreciate, Alex, all what you're doing to attempt to sort of create this unity in our very diverse country and communities. And I think that's a really tough task, but you seem to um, have some kind of uh, gift for doing this. And we really appreciate, you know, you sharing that with us as much as, as you did tonight. And we are really looking forward to watching the show tonight. Um, part two, anybody's listening, um, it's tonight at 9 Central, 
um, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we are Muslim Radio Network. As I wanted to remind you, our mission is to involve youth and community and, and leadership in audio production to promote the beauty of Islam. You can hear us on Clubhouse. We also have Muslim radio um, avail- podcasts available wherever you get your podcasts and an internet radio app for our station called Muslim Radio Dallas. It's available in the App Store and Google Play. Anybody who's listening can support this effort by visiting muslimradionetwork.org. I really appreciate it. So, um, Alex, we will continue to promote the show as much as we can. Uh, we are connected with, you know, um, I've already told uh, American Muslim Today, which is a big Muslim online newspaper and um, some other outlets as well and just even local communities putting in different facebook groups all of that however we can you know promote the the show we are excited about it so thank you i appreciate it and good work uh, congratulations on this great work you're doing in clubhouse so okay. thanks very much all right thank you I'm gonna thank end you the room Alex. Now. all right bye-bye bye-bye